All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have ripped another month off the calendar. We are now into August. Hunting season is right around the corner, and we could not be more excited. This podcast is brought to you by the boys up in uh, Spoke Compton, Washington, Pacific Calls. Listen, what better way to bring in a new waterfowl season than to get a new goose or duck call? We got a promo code, BHP25. We'll save you 25% off of your order. Tell you what, it's one of my favorite things to do. New hunting season, you got to get a new call. They have totally redesigned the 206, made the, uh, made the insert a little bit longer, so it's a little bit more user-friendly, but it doesn't sacrifice anything. So uh, you can look at that online, or I still say that the PCD is the best duck call that is on the market today. Not even close, hands down, winner, PCD. So go check them out at PacificCustomCalls.com, and uh, you know while you're at it, maybe get you a world-famous T-shirt. This podcast is also brought to you by Shin Gear Waders. They have taken the waiter market by storm. These waders are built better to last longer. It is a tough, durable nylon material that stands up to those, uh, those pesky little branches that you seem to find at 4 o'clock in the morning and puts a big asshole in your waders. So um, these are more durable, a lot more durable than that uh, polyester. And it is backed by their guarantee that they will stand behind these waders for as long as you will stand in them. So if you do rip them, you do get a hole in them, something's coming apart, you send them back to the folks over at Shin Gear, they'll patch them and they'll get them right back out to you in a timely manner. The customer is their number one priority, and that's refreshing to see. Go check them out, shingear.com, if you're tired of having to buy a new pair of waders every year or two. You can get these, you can be done with it, and you can see why these are built better. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Jeez, they've got more products. They've got a uh, new layout chair coming out. They've got new flag coming out. That's the one I'm looking forward to because I have had hell finding a, a goose flag that uh, can stand up to seven days of use. So, um, And also Dive Bomb is coming out with a brand new pose, a new speckle belly pose, a V2 uh, alternate pose, and it's going to kind of show – that uh, those those lighter colored breast feathers and it'll add a nice contrast and a nice pop to your decoy spread this fall. They're really a one-stop shop whenever it comes to uh, silhouettes and floaters. Like I said, be looking out for some of the other stuff they got coming out. That's at divebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth is the way to go. It's back in style. Ship straight to your door. No middleman. It's Dad's final resting place. We dropped <laughs> we dropped Dad off with Brandon and uh, Zach, and he's going to be loaded up in some shotgun shells, and we'll be shooting around here this next couple of years. I don't know if I'm gonna shoot mine. Well, depends on how much. Depends on how far Ron goes. Dad's but, dream was to be shot in shotgun shells, so he's and now that. he's got it with the, the guys best over you can at, have. at Boss Shot Shells. They've got a simple approach: make a great shotgun shell that hits hard and has a clean kill. So go check them out at BossShotShells.com. Also, we're brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. It's the only way that I start my morning every single morning, especially here when I'm running on little sleep at the Big Honker Lodge. We've got a new blend out, the Missouri Boat Ride. They've got a high velocity. They've got good-looking merchandise. So head over to DirtyDuckCoffee.com. Get what you're going to need for those little pick-me-ups. Be shot out of a cannon with a cup of the duck. Also, we're brought to you by Lucky Duck, best blind on the market. Now they've got a big boy dog crate for big dogs like Lou. Five-star crash test rated. They've also got fan system that you can put on this crate and keep your dog cool in the summertime. 
constantly innovating over there at Lucky Duck. Uh, like I said, they've already got the best blind that's on the market with the uh, Lucky Duck 2x4. You can fit four grown men. Tops come together real nice. And uh, spinners, can't beat them. Go check them out, luckyduck.com. We're also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. New bumpers are out. I'm getting my dog in shape right now. Go buy the first aid kit. Everybody needs to have a first aid kit with them. Keep one in your truck. Keep one in your blind. When you need it, you need it. The times you don't need it, that's a great day. But when you do need it, you can sure make your day a little better by having one. If you're a hunting guide, you should carry one in your in your in your vehicle bag. or in your blind bag. I agree with you. I mean, so. you need to carry a couple, like you said, one in your pickup, one in your blind bag for when you're out in the out in the spread. But the, you just don't know what's going to happen, and you need to be prepared for everything. This uh, safety kit got a lot of cool features, so. Go check them out at Gundog Outdoors. And if you've got a fat dog like I got a fat dog named Lou, they got uh, new bumpers out right now. And they're nice, too. They're nice and soft. They got a nice weight to them. You can throw them a long way. You working with Lou tonight again? Or is it just a one-night deal? <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Gundogoutdoors.com. We're also brought to you by Goose Creek Retrievers. Speaking of gun dogs, Matt Peel, he's on a circuit right now. He is just going to all the hunt tests. I think he's killing it at most of them. He's, uh, he's putting out a lot of great dogs right now. He's, uh, he's a hell of a dog trainer. If you've got any questions about your hunting dog for this coming season, if you've hit a sticking point and you need a professional, I would highly recommend you check out Matt Peel at Goose Creek Retrievers. You can check him out online. Uh, Instagram is Goose Creek Retrievers, or uh, you can just find Matt Peel. Shoot man, him a message. and The man works you. hard and loves the animals. He does. And that's what you want in a dog trainer. He is living the dream, baby, living the dream. So go check them out at Goose Creek Retrievers. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Logan and Rebel, y'all put enough pressure on them. They're recording episodes. They're up on Patreon right now. So uh, you can subscribe to their Patreon account. Uh, It's a small monthly fee, and you can get the bourbon reviews are free to everybody, but you'll be uh, allowed access to listen to all the shenanigans going on over there at uh, the Cheek Beater Studios. They put on a great podcast, so go check them out. Lookingglass.club. East Texas Rebel and Fanboy Logan. <laughs> uh, we're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. They ship whiskey straight to your door. It is a beautiful whiskey that I have enjoyed all summer long. I make my whiskey sours out of it. Did you see who Brandon Bing was with this weekend? Who? John Daly. John Daly. John huh? Daly was sitting at the bar with him. Having him a bang tail. Was he really? Yeah. John, well, I don't know if John had bang tail because I don't know if he's on the bottle or not. But John looks like he's had lots of good days. So yeah. Brandon Bing is meeting some really cool people and getting to hang out with some people like that. So pretty cool. Well, that's cool. I know I, I, you look on uh, you look online and bang tail's kind of taken off everywhere. So check them out if they're at your uh, local liquor store, bang tail whiskey. It is a, it's a very good whiskey, and I cannot recommend it enough. So go check them out, bangtailwhiskey.com. This podcast finally brought to you by iSight Drones, which we have pipeline inspections, wind turbine inspections, well pad inspections, power line inspections, solar panel inspections. So if you have anything in the outdoor business, outdoor stuff, oil related, construction, farming, they can take care of you. They support drain tile survey, do stand counts, ranch land inspections, severe weather inspections, livestock counts, and watershed mapping. Folks, it's 2021, and drones are part of our world. Eyesight drones can do it all. Construction, farming, ranching, oil, every industry can use it. It's so much easier and quicker, and they can get stuff done. They can do 3D modeling, volumetrics, aerial site mapping, and job site monitoring, and that's Eyesight Drones, and that's eyesightdrones.com. 
We're also brought to you, last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. If you want dates with us, you better call in a hurry because the little bit of time that I had before we started rolling on this podcast, the phones have been ringing off the hook. So it is not going to be long and we're going to be just about booked up. So we've got some dove dates available and uh, a couple weekdays for goose hunting. So look us up, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, or you can call us 940-658-3172. All right, boys and girls, uh, this episode we're joined by the great American patriot, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. He is currently running for governor of the state of Texas. We talk about uh, the different issues that he would run on and uh, get fixed in this state. Let me tell you. Uh, we're not too far off from Texas being a state that we don't recognize anymore. So I think having a, a great man like Lieutenant Colonel Allen West in office would be beneficial to us. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Honker Podcast brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I am Andy Shaver, and on the line with us today, running for the governor of the great state of Texas, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, Jeff and Andy. We are very excited to have you on, and we appreciate you coming on here. I think more politicians, uh, you know, should should get away from the script and kind of come on to these, you know, free-form, free-flowing uh adventures like we've got here so my hat's off to you well i would never classify myself as a politician uh, because politicians try to tell people what they think they want to hear uh statesmen and leaders are going to tell you what they believe that you need to hear so i'm happy to be with you all well that, that's a good thing and we're one for one with politicians ronnie jackson was on with us last year and he is sitting his rear end in, Dow- in washington dc so we're proud of that um i got a couple questions for you my first question is as a as a citizen of the United States of America and the great state of Texas, I am one of the 75 million people that voted for Donald J. Trump, and I will again. And, but, why why should we vote? Because a lot of people, we don't trust the system. And I know out of 75 million, I'm going to bet you that half the people don't trust the system. Mm-hmm. So what what's ensuring us that this vote, this election in Texas is not going to be stolen? Well, I think one of the key things is that if you decide to not participate, not vote, I mean, you're going to cede uh, that elected position over to the other side. Case in point, look at what happened in the state of my birth, which was Georgia, where people were talking about not going out and voting because they didn't believe in the system instead of, you know, forcing the system to adjust. And, and of course, now you have two about socialists as senators from the state of Georgia. So I think that it's very important that we continue to put pressure on our elected officials and also locally, because when you talk about the processes and the uh, procedures and the systems that are used uh, locally in uh, elections, those are decided at the county level. 
but we also need to make sure at the state level that we are doing the right thing as far as setting up to make sure we have voter registration role review. We have a good uh, understanding of the type of uh, machines that are being used and we should have the right type of backup and and uh, auditable trails that we can use as well and I think that's why you saw the uh, Democrats here in Texas pick up and leave uh, because they want to try to uh, block the ability for us to have honest and fair elections here in Texas and pass legislation like you saw in Georgia where they have corrected it like you saw in Florida like you saw also in Arizona and the uh, legislation they passed in Arizona this survived the challenge of the Voter Rights Act of 1965. So I think it is incumbent upon the people here in the state of Texas, our elected state house members and state senators, to get the right uh, legislation passed and get it signed into law so that we can have those honest and fair elections. But still at the county level, we need to be doing what is right by doing the review of the voter registration rolls. I, I, you mentioned the voter registration, and it, it baffles me that the same people that are saying that voter ID is racist are the same people that are saying that we need to have a vaccine passport. I, I, I just, I cannot wrap my mind around how these people get away with that. Well, they only get away with it if you do not challenge them and if you do not uh, call out their hypocrisy. You know, one of the things I've said, you know, I just happen to be a black guy and uh, I do a lot of travel on airplanes. And so if uh, showing a photo ID is all of a sudden racist, then American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Delta, all of these airlines that I'm traveling on is racist. And when you talk about this 24-hour voting because people have issues or problems getting to a voter booth, well, if I show up late to, uh, to the airport to get on an airplane, that airplane is going to leave me. Right. He's not going to sit there and say, oh, because of your skin color, we will wait until you get there. So we have to call out that hypocrisy. And, and I will tell you that uh, in the black community, we find it very condescending and offensive. And I'm not talking about conservative blacks or Republican blacks. It is seen very offensive that people are saying we're too stupid mm -hmm. to be able to go out and get a picture ID to, to be able to vote. And again, I think that those are the type of voices, those are the type of comments that we should be making to really call out who are the true racists in the United States of America. And that's the progressive socialist left. That's the Democrat Party. And that's always been their history. You know, uh, our people fought to get to vote. It used to be a privilege to vote. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we put everybody can vote in this country. Women, that was a big thing to get women to vote. And I can't remember, 1890s, whenever that happened in the yeah, suffrage and stuff. But, so we fought to get everybody where they can vote. And then the people today want to act like it's a problem to have to go vote unless it's just can do it on their computer at home. You know, you should be proud to vote. No, I agree. And I think if there's one thing that you can do to rectify the situation, just make that day a national holiday where you don't have to go to work. The only thing you have to do that day is, is go out and vote. And that alleviates any issues about people having access. And we already have the early voting, which there are some states that don't have early voting. That's a state by state choice. But really and truthfully, you should have the in-person voting. And if you are out of the country, if you're military, what have you, then you have an absentee ballot, which is a controlled item that you have to uh, send in a request to receive. But don't think that it is uh, a coincidence that all of a sudden Joe Biden comes in and unconstitutionally he implements an open borders agenda. And then you also have H.R. 1 that pops up. And H.R. 1 says you don't have to have a picture ID. 
that uh, there will be no voter registration roll review. There'll be universal ballots, mail ballots all over the country uh, that you can have online voter registration. You can have same day voter registration, same day voting. So what they're looking to do is to flood, especially here in Texas and other uh, red states. And you've seen those airplanes landing in the middle of the night in Tennessee. We know they have issues over in, in Louisiana. They want to flood illegal immigrants into this uh, into the United States of America and then give them the uh, ability and opportunity to vote, which is why in this infrastructure bill and in this uh, omnibus spending bill or, or budget reconciliation bill, they're talking about amnesty to all the people that have come into the United States of America illegally. And think about this, guys. Just since fiscal year 2021, 1.3 million illegal immigrants have been detained in the United States of America, many of them at our border here in Texas. But when I say detained, that doesn't mean that we deported them. It meant that we just processed them and we sent them on uh, throughout Texas and throughout the United States of America. So this is a critical constitutional crisis that we're facing. If they would ship all those people to Martha's Vineyard, every one of them, and take them there, the Democratic Party would change their tune on all that stuff. Well, Martha's Vineyard in San Francisco, let them show up in Nancy Pelosi's district. That's right, and, <laughs> and they would change. They don't want them in their neighborhood. They want to put them to everyone else. No, and if you, you, know, you brought up President Trump, and you remember uh, when President Trump talked about all of these illegals that he would put them into blue states, and they absolutely went apoplectic. They had a meltdown because what they're looking to do is shift the balance of population in red states. And that's why I say Texas, Tennessee, you get a lot of these uh, illegal immigrants being uh, funneled over to Florida and to Georgia, Louisiana, because they know what they're doing. And, and it's, a, it's an insidious plan. And it really is about undermining our constitutional republic and our sovereign states. Who is behind all of this? Because I, I know it's not Joe Biden. I mean, no, say, what you, say what you want about he's not He's not the one pulling these strings. Who is the person that is making these decisions? Well, you know, you have the person that's facilitating, enabling, and, and resourcing and financing. That starts with, uh, you know, George Soros. When you look at a lot of these leftist organizations that are out there, it's all George Soros uh, funding, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the whole, you know, kit and caboodle. But also think about when was the last time you saw a former president of the United States of America decide that they weren't going to leave Washington, D.C.? And that's uh, Barack Obama. And so he's still there in Washington, D.C. And when you look at the cast of characters, that are in the Biden administration is just a repeat of the Obama administration. And so you have Susan Rice as the domestic policy advisor and many others there. And you have Valerie Jarrett that is still there. So that's that little cabal that you see between, you know, Soros and Tom Steyer, who does a lot of this, uh, you know, leftist climate change, uh, you know, financing. So that's that's the the the, the dark side. That's the the uh, the evil empire, if you want to put it that way, going back to Star Wars that we're up against. It's just it's it's so scary because, I mean, you know, you see Joe and I, I really think that he's just he's propped up there. And I guess, you know, you just answered it. It's by the Obama administration. It's by George Soros. Um, what what would you do? Your governor day one. What can you do to fix the border crisis that we're this heavy influx that we're seeing uh, right now? Well, the very first thing is that uh, you designate the cartels as a transnational uh, narco criminal terrorist organization. 
And when you do that, that means that in the state of Texas, you go after their financing. Anyone that is working with the cartels, they're aiding and abetting a terrorist organization. So you will forfeit your assets. You will, uh, we will freeze their assets. We will seize their assets. We will use those assets. If they're cars, homes, houses, whatever, we'll sell that. And we'll put it into the coffers of Texas. We will create a border security fund. You've got to have a full mobilization of your National Guard. You know, this past weekend, we had two cartel members fired 20 rounds across the Rio Grande River into the El Paso uh, border sector, targeting a Border Patrol agent. Now, guys, I served 22 years in the military, uh, went to many different countries to try to protect their borders and their sovereignty. If you fire across uh, an international boundary, that's an act of war. Mm -hmm. And so basically the cartels have declared war uh, against us here in the state of Texas, not just the drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking. And Texas is the number one state in America for human and sex trafficking. So we have got to see them for the enemy that they are. We've got to put a deterrent force down there on that border. And we need to make sure that we have, as Texans, the ability of our law enforcement agencies to be able to detain, to arrest, and to deport these individuals that are coming to the United States of America illegally because the Biden administration has told the Customs and Border Patrol not to patrol, that they're only supposed to do is processing. The, the ICE agents are being told not to deport. So I think that Texas needs to look at creating its own uh, version of a border patrol that operates along the border to make sure, again, that we are protecting the sovereignty of Texas and reducing the ability of people to come into Texas uh, illegally. And we're definitely not going to allow them to be uh, pushed on forward. We need to tax the remittances. There's tens of billions of dollars, a huge transfer of wealth that leaves the state of Texas and it goes back to Mexico, Nicaragua, you know, El Salvador, what have you. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, they tax remittances from illegals by one at one percent. I say that we tax them at the highest income tax rate level that we ask legal law-abiding citizens here in Texas to pay, which is, I believe, is 35, 36 percent. So think about the funds that we can raise uh, off of taxing those remittances, and that's the message that we send economically back to these states, I mean, to these countries that are sending people here illegally. Is that you're not going to be able to increase your gross domestic product by sending people here illegally who get welfare benefits from us and then they work under the table and they send the money back to you. So those are some of the things that I would do day one. So do you not have to have to, to qualify for welfare? How, how, do, how do these illegal immigrants obtain a welfare status in our state? Is there no proof of identification to qualify for these programs? Well, that's, that's the sad thing. And that's part of the magnets that we are laying out there. Uh, think about this. Every, every one of these individuals that are coming across illegally that we are, you know, detaining, uh, processing and then releasing, they're getting fourteen hundred dollars uh, of taxpayer money. They're getting on airplanes. They're getting on buses. The American taxpayers, uh, Texas taxpayers are paying uh, for this. Catholic Charities, who is down there, Catholic Charities has no business processing illegal immigrants, but yet they're getting a grant from the federal government to do so. So that's another instance of your taxpayer dollars. But even here in the state of Texas, uh, a law was passed to give in-state tuition to people here illegally. Oh, wow. Why, why would we do that? And so we have got to stop doing the things that create the magnets that attract people to come here illegally. And, uh, you know, we give them the taxpayer funded benefits and things of this nature. Uh, when I was down there at the border on the morning of the 5th of July, about one or two o'clock in the morning, I saw women who came across with kids and uh, pregnant women. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to get WIC uh, program funding and things of that nature. Again, I'm a compassionate guy. 
but stay in your own country. Or if you want to come to the United States of America, knock on the front door, not try to sneak in in the back door. What countries are these? What is it's not Mexico, is it? It's further down south. Well, no, actually, what you see happening, Andy, uh, in just the Del Rio sector, they are closing in on about 70 different nations. Wow. Uh, they have detained people uh, illegally here. And it was just two weeks ago uh, you saw where the gate was just open and they allowed about 400 to 450 illegal immigrants to come across. And guess where they were from? They're from Haiti. They're from Ghana. And we have, uh, you know, detained people uh, in the El Paso sector that were on the terrorist watch list from Yemen. So 160 different countries. That's what we're up to almost here in Texas. Uh, we have seen people coming from. So this is not just Mexico, uh, the Northern Triangle countries, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras. This is the world that is invading Texas. Uh, and that's what the founding fathers called it in the Constitution, invading Texas. Uh, coming across our border illegally, and we're not doing anything to stop it. And, you know, Governor Abbott, God bless his soul, but saying that you're going to arrest people for trespassing, that's insidious. Uh, I mean, they're already breaking the law coming into the state of Texas illegally. Uh, and he's not building a wall. He's, he's talking about a chain link fence, which the roles of chain link fencing is just sitting down there and you got grass growing over it. Yeah. Um, so what kind of battle would there be between the federal government and the state government if we if if you were to uh, enact some of these policies, would they would the federal government just throw everything at you to try to slow you down? And if so, do they have any grounds to uh, impede your plan of slowing down this uh, this border crisis? No, they don't have any grounds to impede the plan, because first and foremost, when you go to the Declaration of Independence, uh, free and independent states created these United States of America. So that's first thing. States are sovereign. When you go to the Constitution and the Tenth Amendment, it says all of those powers not delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. And then furthermore, in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, and Clause Number 3, it says that states may take an action uh, when they are under an invasion, uh, with when there is imminent danger without any admit of delay. So when you have a federal government that has abdicated its constitutional duty and responsibility to protect the sovereignty, of a free and independent state, which is what Texas is, then the Constitution gives Texas or any other state the ability to be able to protect themselves against an invasion. And so I've just given you three different instances, one from the Declaration of Independence, one from uh, the Constitution being the Tenth Amendment, and another from Article 1, Section 10, Clause Number 3 of the Constitution that clearly lays out what a state is supposed to do uh, in this case. See the the the, the pro, not the problem. Here's what happened. This is from just a regular guy's standpoint. You sound exactly like you'll fix all the problems, and I want you to if you get elected. But we've had one politician in my lifetime, 53 years old, that actually tried to do the things he said he was going to do. Because what you're saying seems like it's real simple for us to fix, but for some reason, when someone gets in Austin, Texas, or Washington D.C. They forget about everything they promise everybody they're going to do, and that goes along as business as usual. And it's very frustrating as a tax-paying American to go through this over and over. The cycle never, ever changes. It's, it's like the Democratic Party. They go all to the black neighborhoods when it's election time. As soon as the election's over, they don't do nothing to help those neighborhoods. No, so, I and I live in a small town in West Texas. We get zero kind of benefits 
from the state or anybody on helping any of our infrastructure, anything at all, which is fine. We like being independent. But what you're saying at the border seems like a real simple fix. You ought to be able to do it no problem. Abbott should be able to do it no problem. But we don't ever get anything done. I mean, we've got our Democratic leaders. They just left the state, and nothing will be done to them. It's, what, the third time they've done that in the last 20 years? And, yeah, well, yeah. You know, you get elected to a position, and you're supposed to do something for the people. Politicians forget about that, and they get wined and dined and lobbied all the time, and they forget about us. So what would you do at the border yourself? Well, I, I just I just laid it out. No, no, but what, what what will you do different than everybody else? I mean, you're going to go do in. It. You're going to you're going to do this is what you're telling us is what I'm asking as a citizen of Texas. You're telling me you're going to do exactly what you said, and if so, I'm very proud of that. Well, I think that I spent 22 years in the United States military and only two years as an elected official, and I was a member of Congress. And if you know my history, in 2012. It was Republicans that redistricted me out of the district that I represented back in Florida. And I was the number one target for the Democrat Party in the 2012 uh, election cycle. I mean, George Soros put in $5 million against me, Nancy Pelosi, $3 million. Uh, I was the number one target of Planned Parenthood, the uh, Council for American Islamic Relations, because I challenged Islamic jihadists and terrorists. So I'm a person of my word. And that's the exact same thing that I'm going to do in, uh, in, in, in Texas. And, you know, I just finished up being the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. And I think that if you saw my actions as the chairman, you know, I was the voice for the grassroots, for the legislative parties that they put out there. I called out the Speaker of the House when he put uh, Democrats in as uh, chairman of committees there in the Texas State House, many of whom uh, are up there in Washington, D.C., I even called out the governor, signed on to a lawsuit against Governor Abbott when he unlawfully and unconstitutionally, unilaterally extended uh, early voting. You're supposed to go through the uh, to the legislature uh, on that by the Texas state constitution. And I called him out about his COVID issues. So I think that I've already proven, proven that I have the courage and the resolve to stand up and do what is right by the people and by the rule of law. That, that's perfect. If the Republican Party don't like you, the Democratic Party don't like you, then the American people will like you because we're tired of both of those. So I think that's a great <laughs> spot. It's a sweet spot, as they say. Yeah, it is. What I mean, what would it take? This is going to sound terrible, but do you think that we've had it too good for too long here in America and that that's why things like the border are just going unchecked because we're it's almost like everybody's forgotten about 9-11 and now we've got terrorists coming in from our southern border they're using mm-hmm. our laws against us I mean how I just don't I don't understand how you how an American citizen can wake up and look at their family and think that an open border is a great idea I don't understand it. I think we've had it too good for too long. Well, you know, there was a Scottish political philosopher by the name of Alexander Fraser Teitler, and he said that a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until that time when voters realize they can vote their own largesse from the public treasury, and from that moment on, voters will always vote for the people that are promising them the most benefits. Uh, and the result being the collapse of a democracy, you know, a representative democracy over loose fiscal policy, and it will be followed by a dictatorship. And he talked about the cycle of a democracy, because most democracies only last, you know, 200 years. And the United States of America, as a constitutional republic with a representative democracy, you know, we're at uh, 245 years. Uh, and so now I think you see what is happening, and you're right. Apathy is one of those things that takes us out of the cycle of liberty and freedom and brings us back into that uh, cycle of dependency, which is where we came out of. 
Uh, and so I think that there are times when you have to have moments like this, which challenge people and get them to, 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 to kind of do a gut check mm -hmm. and say, what do I believe in? And when you go down to the border counties and you look at Texans in the eye and they're afraid, they're being terrorized. They don't, they, you know, you talk to people in Del Rio, they don't go out at night. They don't go for walks. You talk to people in Brackettville, uh, down there in Kennedy County, they don't allow their kids to go out and play, uh, even on their own property because they're being overrun. And no one should think that that's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. No one should get on, you know, television and thump their chest and say, you know, I'm building a wall when you're truly, you're lying and you're talking about a, a chain link fence. And so I think it is time for the, for the people to seriously ask themselves, what do you want in leadership? Uh, and going back to, you know, how we started out talking about President Trump. I mean, President Trump was a disruptor, but President Trump also caused a lot of people on both sides of the aisle to say, we don't want this guy around because he's exposing us. He's exposing our failures and he's exposing the fact that we are politicians. We're in it for ourselves and for our own self-interest and special interests and not for the interests of the American people. So I think that there is a third great awakening that is happening in America and it's definitely happening here in Texas because now you're talking about people's lives, their liberty, their freedom, their safety and security being threatened. Do you, and this just came to me, do you think that some of these blue states uh, locked down in an attempt to drive a, a lot of people away? Because if you look, California, they're, they're, they're locked down forever. Texas has seen a heavy... Uh, a heavy amount of people from California. They're moving to Austin. They're bringing their liberal ideas. They're fleeing a liberal state, but you know, then they turn around and, and they vote for the same crap that they just, so in a way, and like I said, this just came to me, so it might be a terrible idea. I hadn't had time to really think about it, but do you think that that could also be a plan to get people out of these blue states and infiltrate red states that are, that are more open? Well, it's an interesting point that you bring up, Andy, and just yesterday uh, on redstate.com, there was an article about that, how Hollywood is picking up and now it's moving to Austin, Texas, which is the capital of Texas. And of course, when you go to Austin, it doesn't resemble the capital of Texas. No. You would think it looks like San Francisco. So there are two types of people that are fleeing these blue states, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey. And understand that for the first time, California is losing a congressional district because of the massive loss of population. Texas is picking up two congressional districts. So there are individuals that make the decision, I'm out of here. I've had it, you know, living in these blue states. I want to go to some place, a red state, where I have more liberty, more freedom, uh, and, and an ability to have a principled, uh, you know, state of governance. But then there are also, when we are going in and asking these major businesses and corporations uh, to pick up and move and leave these failing states, uh, and then we get them to come here to a state like Texas, guess what happens? You transplant an entire uh, you know, employment base, a labor force, they kind of maybe liked it where they were. Right. And then all of a sudden they come here and they're like, well, I, I want to vote just like I was back there. And when you look at State Farm, you know, here in North Texas, where I live, Liberty Mutual, State Farm, Toyota, North America, when you look at Austin, how we have wooed uh, Google and Oracle and many of those other Silicon Valley big tech corporations that come here to Texas, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And so I would say is that first and foremost, uh, one of the things, this Texas Enterprise Fund that Governor Abbott has, which is really a slush fund, it's all about government and, and corporate cronyism. I mean, he's using Texas taxpayer dollars to create subsidies and woo these corporations and businesses here that are undermining the uh, the state of Texas. And so I, that's something that I want to end. And the other thing is that 
don't come here to Texas and try to make us like the failure that you're departing. If you like that you know, system of governance, stay there. But don't come here and try to change us. And that's what we have seen happen in, in the state of Georgia, where the state of Georgia was, you know, where I was born and raised, very strong red state, but five areas, uh, Atlanta area, Macon, Savannah, Augusta, and Columbus are the reason why you have two about socialists there are senators. And when you look at Texas, who controls all our major uh, population centers in Texas? Being in Dallas, being in Houston, being in Austin, being in San Antonio, being in El Paso. It's the, the left, the Democrats. And so we have got to do uh, kind of what Jeff alluded to. Instead of allowing the left to go into the black communities and destroy the black communities, we need to go into these inner city communities and we need to be talking about you know, our principles and our values which the black community, Hispanic community, they're a part of. And that's how we were able, while I was the chairman, we flipped the Rio Grande Valley mm -hmm. because we went down there, we talked about their principles and values as opposed to the other guys, and they said, you're right. Well, and it, it, it's just so cheap the way that, that Democrats go after these go after these neighborhoods because it's something you alluded to it earlier. Um, they, they tell them what they can give them. Rather, yeah. rather than, you know, they tell them what they want to hear. Like, listen, you're not going to have to do this. We'll, we'll just give it to you. Stay but, at home, don't work, and we'll send you unemployment. That's exactly right. But if the Republicans can do a good job like y'all did in the Rio Grande Valley and, and preach, preach is a bad word, but uh, show the values that the Republican Party holds, you know, that, that, that pulls on the heartstrings of anybody that's got a family. It does. And let me tell you what the difference is and, and how I juxtapose the two different philosophies of governance. You know, constitutional conservatives want people to be victors. Mm -hmm. Progressive socialists, Democrats, they want people to be victims. And I don't think every single day, you know, people wake up and say, I want to be a victim. But if that's the only message that they hear is being a victim, they will become a victim. And so when you look at what has happened in many of our inner city communities, the crime that is up there, the, the decimation of the traditional nuclear two-parent household, the lack of good quality education opportunities and economic opportunities, if we just go in and engage people and get those things you know, uh, rectified, then they will come to our side. You know, I find it absolutely appalling that here in the state of Texas, we can't get school choice passed. Right. You know, Think, think about, you know, the, the single black mother that wants a better education opportunity for her child. But yet here in, in Texas, which is controlled by a Republican governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, Republicans own the state house and the state senate, we can't get school choice passed. That's amazing to me. That was another, that's another topic I wanted to touch. So you would be for, what is school vouchers, is, is that another word that, that it goes by? Well. I'm for educational freedom. That's what I call it, school choice. And I'm a product of that. I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. Look, in 1961, I was born in a blacks-only hospital in Atlanta. But my parents did not send me to two public schools in our neighborhood. They sent me to a, a small black private Catholic school. And that made the difference in my life because it put me on a different trajectory as far as education. So that's what we need to start looking at. If we have young men, young boys, young girls, and parents that want to provide a better education opportunity and the children are able to, 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 to meet the standards, then absolutely the money should follow the child. It shouldn't be the other way around. Right. What is there anything that can be done to uh, 
fix the public education for people that that might not have the option you know out here school choice wouldn't really affect us we've got a pretty good uh, well that's the thing i mean you have to you you have to tailor it and so what i would look at if if there are uh school districts where they're performing at a d or an f level absolutely that's where you want to make sure that parents have the ability to have that choice right and, and, and when you look at that, I guarantee you, you will find that those are all of those school districts that are heavily controlled by the left, by Democrats, who want to, you know, just teach critical race theory and not teach math, science or anything else that will enable our kids to be critical thinkers and have a future. Did you see where the Oregon governor passed, yes, I did. passed yes, a I did. bill that you don't have to be accountable for math or reading, I believe? Math yeah. or, or science, was it? Wasn't it was math it and reading. But yeah, if graduate. Yeah, how can you expect anyone to succeed in life if they can't add and they can't read? Because they don't want people to succeed. No, you're right. They want people to be victims. And and what I call that, that's the soft bigotry of low expectations, where it says that Alan West, born in a blacks-only hospital, growing up in an inner-city uh, neighborhood, you can't make it. Right. You know, you know, we don't expect you to make it. We don't expect you to be able to understand, you know, algebra or calculus. We don't expect you to be able to understand physics. And so, therefore, we're just going to make sure that you have a minimum wage, a living wage, or if you don't want to work, you can stay at home. And, oh, by the way, if you're renting an apartment and uh, you don't want to pay your rent, we'll make sure that we come down on the renter so you can just live there rent-free. These are the things that are the reasons why a socialist economic model always fails. What, what I don't get is, and this is, I'm a white guy, so this is out of my field, but as a black community, the NAACP and all these places – they 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 prop up a guy like LeBron James who has a high school degree. He, I mean, he's a, the guy's a very wealthy wealthy man, but he got there on on, on his God given athletic ability. But they come down on a guy like you or Ben Carson. Well, you're the guys that the, they ought to show and say, listen, you can grow up in a poor neighborhood and do anything in your life with you that you want if you'll get an education. But they don't ever push that narrative. They 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 want they want to push. They can't because that narrative destroys everything that they believe in. Or you look at Clarence Thomas. If you go yes. down and see where Clarence Thomas was born and raised there outside of Savannah, Georgia, I mean, it was pretty bad. I don't know how if y'all saw the documentary on his life, but they don't want to celebrate those type of lives. They want to celebrate and the examples that, uh, you know, continue to build up their narrative uh, that, yeah, you can rise out of those circumstances if you can dribble a ball mm-hmm. or if you can, you know, run real fast. But they don't want to illuminate the, the people that just work real hard. Look at how they disparaged Herman Cain. Yes. yes, that's right. I mean, it was sickening. And here was a guy that was a, a, a CEO of a major, you know, Godfather's Pizza. And not just that, you look at his background. I mean, this guy was a brilliant uh, mathematician and, and uh, physicist. I mean, he worked on, uh, you know, rockets and missiles for the Department of the Navy before he uh, went into the uh, the CEO side, the private sector side. So they don't want those stories out there. And see, everyone, no matter what their athletic ability, they can study and read and learn to work hard and do something with their life. And, I agree. And, and, and they push that off to the side. And it just I do, I've never understood that. Even or they if, call you names. If like a gentleman like yourself that's that's risen to the top, then they just drag your name through the mud and call you all these sorts of names and disparage your character. Uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, who I'm not a fan of at all by any means, but she's an Ivy League educated lady. You know, and 
and that, that they don't they always prop everything but they don't ever talk about themselves well i got out of the um the wherever the, the bad neighborhood they grew up in and i went to an ivy league school well if she can do that, why don't they? Why don't she brag about working hard and studying and stuff and say, "Let's just give you money"? Because they want people to survive. They don't want them to live. Because if the people ever learn that they can work and get ahead in life and live and take vacations and do everything they they talk about the privileged people having, well, they could all have that also. But they don't ever push that narrative, and and I think that's one of our big problems we're having our country and our state both. Sure, it's a gatekeeper system. Uh, and, and so what you end up seeing is that the progressive socialists left, these white uh, elitist liberals and, and progressives will, you know, put people to stand at the gate, you know, like the, the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, Sheila Jackson Lee, Eddie Bernice Johnson, who have you, uh, Maxine Waters, and, and say, keep them on our economic plantation. You know, we will make sure that you have, you know, a high standard of living and, and comfort and, and have this elected position, but keep the rest of them on an economic plantation. And if you escape that economic plantation, they absolutely have to destroy you because you become that example that shows people the failure of their policy. So I will tell you, I don't know if you've seen this documentary or heard about it, but it's called Uncle Tom. And it was actually done here out of Dallas, Texas, by a brilliant young man. And it features uh, Larry Elder, Herman Cain, uh, Candace Owens, myself. And it really does, you know, knock down all of these uh, these lies and the narratives of the left. And it exposes them for what they have done to the black community over all these years. So, again, the documentary is called Uncle Tom. And so uh, I would recommend that all of you folks out there in West Texas, just take a gander at it. I think you can pull it down off Amazon Prime. We'll take a look at it. Uh, Candace Owen is another one. Like uh, how how she's remained so strong through what she's been through from the media. Oof, I I, I couldn't yeah, do it. It's bold, but but see, the, the, just the same as we said in the military, you only take flack when you're over the target. Mm-hmm. So the more that they are responding to you, that means that you're on point. You're 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 focused, and and you're hitting them where it hurts. And so that's that's what even for me, I mean, I, I get called the Uncle Tom uh, Oreo uh, white man's porch monkey house N word. But all that does is embolden me because you're not debating me about the issues. You're not saying that I'm wrong or that I'm lying. You're trying to just make me hurt my feelings by calling me a name, which is not going to make me stop. It's only going to embolden me. It probably just like everything else you don't. You know it's not true, so you probably laugh at it while everybody else gets upset about it. It makes everyone else mad, but you it's not bothering no, it's not bothering me whatsoever. I, I know you're in a time crunch. Got one more. I got one question for you. Yes, sir. Can you fix the rumor? Because people in Texas, a lot of people think that we can secede from the United States, and we cannot do that. Can you can you address that? Yeah, you know, one of the things I tell people, and I was just down in Tyler, Texas last night, and got asked the same question about Texas. I think it's important for Texas to lead and not secede. I think that you know the United States of America is looking for that strong Texas that can uh, gather the support of other uh, red states and constitutional conservative states. Uh, And I think that we have the ability through the Constitution. Remember, the Constitution under the system of federalism gives states the power. But the problem, coming back to what I think the underlying theme is that we have not had strong uh, leaders. We have had politicians that don't understand the power at the state level. And so, therefore, they're allowing themselves to get run over by the federal government. So I think that if we can have focused constitutional leadership that understands the power that we have here at the state, we don't need to secede. We can force the federal government back into a box instead of the federal government trying to force us into a box. 
So what uh, what prompted your run for this for this office? What was the what was the final straw where you were like, okay, you know what, enough's enough. I'm I'm. It's very my simple. When you're the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, you got eight legislative priorities like ending child gender modification. I mean, we are chemically and physically castrating children in Texas. Republicans did nothing about it. Governor didn't speak about it. Uh, Taxpayer-funded lobbying. Governor did not stand up for it. Uh, the school choice. Governor and, and no one stood up for it. Uh, protecting our monuments, protecting history here in the state of Texas. Governor didn't stand up for it. Election integrity, supposedly the, the governor's number one priority, it was the number one priority for the Republican Party of Texas. And guess what happened? They pushed it all the way to the end of the legislative session and the Democrats walked out. They call a special session, the Democrats walk out. If I was governor, as soon as those private planes had landed in Washington, D.C., I would have said we got 57 seats that have been vacated in the state of Texas, uh, the House uh, of the state of Texas, and we're going to have special elections for those 57 seats. And so I think that I am sick and tired of seeing the progressive socialist left push us around here in Texas. Uh, but without a doubt, when I look at what is happening with our borders, this is an undermining of the sovereignty of the state of Texas and the United States of America. So that's why I stepped down from being chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, and I stepped up to run for governor. Do uh, Now, I know in a, in a town, if you miss two or three meetings— called meetings that you can be forced to resign your seat and they can't have an election. Can you do the same thing with those 57 seats? Well, see, that's the problem. They really don't have anything. You know, the quorum issue is that uh, for you to have a quorum in the Texas State House, you have 150 State House members. You have to have 100 that is that, that are there. And they have never had anything. Uh, you would have thought that back in, when Rick Perry was the governor and the Democrats walked out and they went up to Oklahoma, that they would have done something to change the Texas uh, Constitution to fix this quorum rule. But they did not. And so that's why I say, you know, as governor, if I had been there, if I call a special session and you are not present for that special session, you know, in the military, we call that AWOL, mm -hmm. away without leave. Uh, and, and it's very simple. Uh, you don't get the per diem. And you have vacated your, your position and duty and responsibility. You're undermining our representative democracy here. You're impeding our legislative process. So obviously you don't want to be a Texas state representative if you got on a private plane and you went to Washington, D.C. So I would declare that those seats are vacated and we have a special election. That's what should have been done. All this talk about arresting people, mm -hmm. the governor does not have the power to arrest anyone. So nothing, they're going to come back and it'll just be business as usual, slap on the wrist, and maybe we'll get something done. Uh, that, that's the thing. And the, 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 the point that everyone has to be concerned about is what deal was made for them to leave Washington, D.C. and come back? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's something because there's nothing good comes from politics. What do you think about DeSantis in Florida telling the Miami school district that if they, don't, if they, if they make these kids wear a mask that they're going to um, take away all their pay? Well, the exact same thing should be happening here because uh, here at the Dallas uh, ISD, uh, also down in uh, Houston, and also I believe in uh, Austin, Travis County, those ISDs have done the same thing. They are defying the order of the governor of the state of Texas. And so the governor, uh, Abbott, should have come to the microphone just the same as uh, uh, Governor DeSantis did and showed strength and resolve and said, look, uh, I guess it's time for some of you superintendents not to be making these six-figure incomes or some of you school board members. See, we've got to stop bringing a plastic spoon to a gunfight, mm -hmm. and yes. you've got to stand up and be a lot tougher. 
Because if not, you're going to get ro rolled by these socialist bullies. So does the school board and, and superintendents, they don't have the power to um, enact a mask policy at their, at their respected school? If the governor has come out and said that there will not be any mask mandates in the state of Texas, that it is up to parents or, who, or individuals to decide for themselves whether they want to wear a mask or not, you cannot allow these little mini fiefdoms uh, of tyranny to be established because then they undermine uh, the, the rule of law here in the state of Texas. Right. Um, critical race theory. How close are we to seeing this take over all of our uh, schools? Well, you're very close. The, the sad thing is that you just had the head of the teachers unions, uh, Randy Weingarten, about two weeks ago, stand up in their convention and say that the teachers unions will go after any parent that tries to stand in the way of them uh, teaching critical race theory to their children, grades K through 12. We have a war on parents. We have a war on our children that is happening right now. And here in Texas, we need to make sure that critical race theory or anything that's cultural Marxism is not taught in our, in our school systems. And one of the other things that I would do as a governor is I would look at all of these state universities and colleges that we have. And if you're teaching socialism, you're teaching, teaching Marxism, things of that nature, we're not going to be funding that. We're going to take that and we're going to, you know, write it out of your little budget. And you can go to your endowment fund that you have if you want some professor that's teaching women's studies and or toxic masculinity. That's not helping us build the future uh, employment base and, and the future entrepreneurs here for the state of Texas and be part of our growing economy. So I think that we've got to start undermining uh, these these the, 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 the leftist agenda, which especially is in academia. See, uh I'm going to push back just a little bit here. I mean, it's not anything that you said, but I would teach, uh, I would teach the horrors of Marxism and socialism. I would have well, kids reading the Gulag Archipelago and see how well, these see, institutions and fail. And that's what Ron DeSantis said. And if you want to teach it, teach the true history right. of it. But don't sit around and teach him that, you know, Che Guevara was a great guy and you should wear his T-shirt. No. Teach about how, you know, how many millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people have lost their lives because of socialism and communism. Explain what it is as opposed to free market uh, economics and, and capitalism. So I don't have a problem with teaching the, the two very different diverging uh, philosophies, but to sit around and say that one group of people is oppressed, uh, are oppressors and, and evil, and the other group are oppressed and they're victims, and, and you should feel bad because you have a different skin color every single day of your life. No, we're not going to be funding that. If it, if it's kind of like what's happened with Cuba. They don't want the Cuban refugees to come here, but they want everybody from Central America and Latin America to come here because the Cuban guys coming over here are like the Cuban people have been oppressed through communism. And yeah. they're not, they're not going to vote Democrat because they know what communism's about. Anything that's anti-American is, is from the Democratic Party. I mean, the bottom line is that right now, it's, it's real easy to see the difference between good and evil in our country. I know, and we have to have the courage to be able to say that. And, and it's still, I mean, the, the elections will still be close to 50-50. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, it's hard to believe we have that many stupid people in our country. <laughs> My, you know, but I would, I, would, I would push back on that. You know, when Ronald Reagan ran for president, he stood up and he drew a contrast. You know, there was only one state that never voted for Ronald Reagan. That was Minnesota. And I believe that if you stand up and you draw an incredible contrast between these two different philosophies of governance, uh, which I think was part of the success of President Trump, and especially now when people go into the gas pumps, 
Yeah. They're saying, why the gas is costing me so much? Why, uh, you know, food prices costing me so much? Commodity prices? Why are my property taxes going up? Why are we, as you said, Andy, why are we allowing illegal immigrants to just come into our country? They're not getting COVID tested. They're not having manda mandated vaccines. So who's behind this? Why is this happening? I believe that you will find that uh, easily 55 to 60 percent of the people in the United States of America, they know what right looks like. They just are looking for people to articulate it. You know, a long time ago, or I say a long time ago, a couple years ago, I I was kind of in the camp where I could see where a universal basic income, maybe it would work. I have totally flipped on that because, like, now it, 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 it's just incentivized so many people. They're not at work. Um, would you have ended those, those subsidies uh, a little bit faster than, than what Abbott did? No, absolutely so. I, I mean, I think that you run a risk when you're allowing people to become wedded to government largesse and you allow them to become dependent. We want people to be economically empowered, economically independent, not economically enslaved and uh, dependent. And I think that the longer you keep people on government subsidy programs and things of this nature, look, Texas right now is the number one state in the United States of America for business bankruptcies because we, uh, well, Governor Abbott made the decision, which he shouldn't have made, that he had the power to say who or what is essential in the state of Texas. The most essential thing in Texas and all across the United States of America is liberty. And to tell people that their lives and their livelihoods, their businesses was not essential is essential to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's the bottom line. But yet we uh, ruined so many lives and livelihoods. Uh, that should never happen again in the state of Texas. I will not allow it to happen. It should not happen in the United States of America. Would you have shut down originally last March and uh, April? No, no, I would not have. I would have gotten the best possible information, got it out to people and say, here's the decision that you need to make based upon what we we're facing. Uh, if you think about it now, uh, a, a virus that has a 99.96% recovery rate. We destroyed people's lives and businesses over a virus that had a 99.96% recovery rate. And we're fixing to do it again all over the United States, except for the red states, probably. Yeah, well, we pray we stay strong. Um, uh, I'll tell you how bad things are. I, I just flown, I've flown a couple times recently. You can't get people to work in an airport now. When I was 18 to 25 years old, if you could get a job at American Airlines or Southwest Airlines working anywhere, that was a great job. It had benefits. It paid well and stuff. Those, those places can't hire anybody to unload airplanes anymore. That's a good job. And I just yep. don't I – I cannot believe that we cannot feed the jobs that we have in our country right now with good jobs, and these people would rather stay home. And it just blows my mind. Yeah, we have 10 million open jobs across the United States of America. And the bottom line, the left is very, uh, very strategic, very smart. And they have always wanted the $15 minimum wage. And so what did they do? They injected the government into the private sector employment market. And so the government is paying people to stay at home. And so if you want people to go back to work, then you have to up your wages to be able to compete against the government because you're making more money to sit at home uh, than what you can make actually out there working hard and being able to uh, sustain and provide for yourself. So that's a mentality that we have to uh, fix here in the United States of America. But again, uh, I just say, do you want to be a victor or do you want to be a victim? Panda Express in Gainesville, Texas, on their marquee, they're hiring people at $18 an hour. Now, their same, that same plate they have that cost $7 now costs $10. People don't understand that. You know? Yeah. 
You can make twenty. Well, that's you can simple pay. economics. Yes. That's simple economics. If if you're if if my labor costs or some of these other costs go up, then as a small business owner, I have very thin profit margins. Where, what do I do to make sure that I can stay in business? Well, then I'm going to have to up the price of the goods and services, or I'm going to have to reduce my staff uh, in order to pay people these these higher wages. Or guess what? The third option is I go out of business. Yeah. And I think that we should not be putting our businesses in that situation. But like I said, again, Texas is the number one state in America for business bankruptcies. So we did put people in that position where they decided to shut down. Um. We'll start wrapping up. I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, you you've said that you would replace property taxes. What would you replace it with? Well, before we uh, went to an income tax back in 1917, if I'm correct, we did taxation in the United States of America based upon consumption, based upon the purchase of goods and services. Some people call that the fair tax. And I think right now, when you look at the system of taxation in Texas, which is based upon uh, principles of Karl Marx. Number one, it's a progressive tax system. We continue to see uh, the appraisal values going up, you know, and people have to pay that. And number two, it's an elimination of private property rights because you can never own your home. The government here in Texas always own your, owns your home. And if you don't pay those property taxes, you lose your home. So I, I think that we need to look at how we transition away from a property tax system. Now, what we can do in the middle is that the surplus that we have, uh, $7 billion, we can look at how we can use some of that to pay down on the maintenance and operations for our school districts. And so that can alleviate some of the burden. And also, if we can start going down in Austin and looking at the state government and finding all the inefficiencies and the redundancies and duplicative programs and agencies, then those savings can also be used uh, to reduce our property tax burden. But without a doubt, we got to look at a, a different system. So I'm going to talk to some economists and ask them to start looking at how we can transition Texas away from our property tax system, which is some of the highest property taxes in the United States of America. So, um, so we have a surplus in this fund, basically, is what you're saying. And that would, that would give well, us enough cushion? We have a surplus overall for our budget, but actually, uh, when you throw in the unfunded mandates and liabilities in Texas, like a pension plan, state health, uh, you know, benefits plans, Texas is actually ninety-seven billion dollars in debt. Ooh. So, so uh, we got some things that we got to correct, and so uh, we want to make sure that we are, you know, funding our pension plans and those state health benefit plans because that's a promise that we made to people. But without a doubt, we can start looking at where we can get. Uh, the state government right size and constitutionally based and not just make it into a self-licking ice cream cone where it's down there <laughs> perpetuating itself. <laughs> That's a self-licking ice cream. I've never heard that before. That's a good one. Um, my last question for you, marijuana. What, what is your policy going to be on marijuana? Is it still going to be illegal in the state of Texas? Go. I am not the person probably to ask that question because I've never smoked, never drank, never taken drugs my entire life. And I do not want to promote uh, a substance that is, uh, you know, adverse to anyone's body and, and definitely their mental capacity. I look at what has happened in Colorado and also California and, and I think the state of Washington where they did that has had adverse effects. So, no, uh, marijuana as a substance will still be illegal in the state of Texas under a governor west but i do support us looking at how we can have uh, controlled medical marijuana usage for those people that suffer from epileptic seizures and things of this nature how we can make sure that they can be uh, taken care of you can take it in a pill form and of course i do support the cbd because that's not the thc right my my only thinking is is 
if marijuana was legal, would that impact the cartel and kind of uh, maybe sway their decision? No, the thing where the cartel is making money right now is not is not the marijuana, it's the fentanyl. Okay. Uh, they're working with China to get fentanyl in here and also the opioids. So that's where they are really making you know tons of, of, of money right now. And so, again, I want us to start working on how can we reduce the dependency on drugs because – uh, when you start getting people uh, addicted to drug marijuana as a gateway and, and to whatever else, eventually you're going to have to have more social programs for uh, rehabilitation and things of that nature. So uh, it ends up not being that great uh, profit. It becomes almost a zero sum game. Um, and I mean, you could tax it. There, yeah, there could be your uh, there could be your taxes from property taxes. Yeah, well, I, like I said again, I don't want to be out on the road. And someone is driving in their car. You know, the, the, the important thing about living in a country where you're promoting individual rights, freedoms, and liberties is that it takes a high degree of responsibility on the individual when they have those rights, freedoms, and liberties. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. That's a fair answer, and uh, I'll, I'll go with that. I respect that answer. I do, too. Because he's not selling himself out on that. No, that's exactly right. You've got principles, and that's what you're going to uphold. So that's, as, that's as, very- as another person that's never smoked marijuana in his life, I'm with you 100% on this. Thank you, Jeff. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, we appreciate your time. Um, oh, my pleasure. Will there be debates? Oh, sure. I, I'm sure that there will be different organizations that will ask for debates. You know, the filing, the actual filing uh, time period for, you know, uh, political races is not until, I believe, the first week in December. But, uh, you know, we're happy to get out there at any time and talk about our thoughts, perspectives, and insights and our initiatives and policies that we would implement as governor. And I would say that people can go to our website, west, the number four, texas.com, west4texas.com, and you can learn more about our campaign. We'd love to have you be a part of it. Are you, if, if you do a tour through West Texas, Small Town USA, we'd love to have you come by the Big Hunker Lodge and have lunch with us one day. And I know the proud people in Knox County, Texas, would love to see you here. That'll work because uh, later on this month, I'll be out there going from, well, I was just in Abilene uh, this past Sunday, but I'll be out in Midland and going over to Amarillo. So I'll try to get over there to see you guys in Knox County. Bring your shotgun with you and we can shoot some birds. There you go. Yeah, dove season's starting up. That's a Texas holiday almost. It is a, it is a, it is a state holiday. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another one. Listen, with that, and we also uh, we need to make the Monday after the Super Bowl a state holiday also. There's no reason people should go to work Monday after the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. We, got, we can just do away well, with depends, something else. That depends on who's playing in the Super Bowl. Well, now that is true, and it's probably not going to be the Cowboys. But, you, know. <laughs> you have yourself a great day. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. We wish you the best of luck on the campaign trail, and if there's anything that we can ever do for you, please do not hesitate to ask. Appreciate Thank it. You. Take Thank, care, Jeff. Hey, Thank God you, bless sir. you, and have a great day, sir. Goodbye. Thank you. you. Bye-bye, y'all. And I beat the a true American right there. Yes, he is. Grew up in a, I guess, not a good neighborhood. Less than optimum situation. And made and something of his life, and the left wants to wants to criticize him for that. I just don't, I don't understand that. I still have never understood it. And it's that way all the time, and it's been that way for a long time. I still think marijuana legalization would. That's that's your opinion. That's good. That's my opinion. I'm glad to see someone that's a Republican not sell himself out just to try to get votes on that, though. Right. That speaks if, a lot of his integrity. If nothing else, the medical marijuana for people with epilepsy I'm and for cancer that. and pain that they're dealing with. I mean, if you look at the opioid crisis, I think, I think if some of these people were... Off the hydrocodone and on the marijuana, we'd be better off. Or, I mean, 
So, yeah. but that's my opinion, and he differs from that, and that's fine. I, I, I don't, I don't mind a difference of opinion. And like you said, he has uh, a set of principles that he thinks would be best, and he's know. sticking to them. We need more of that. I, I like that part because it's easy to get in front of a crowd and tell them what they want to hear. Absolutely, and. Marijuana is a major thing right now, and he's against it, and he doesn't like it, and I think it's good. I wish I'd asked him about gambling, though. Oh, yeah, you want that. That's you want the- to talk about worse off. <laughs> you you put a bunch of casinos up, but, I mean, listen. At casinos, he, all I see is a bunch of dope heads. If he's a uh, – yeah, and iron lung people and overweight people. No, most of the time they've cut out smoking at a lot of them now. They've still got iron lungs from their past life. <laughs> if you're trying to replace property taxes, though, maybe casinos and – I'm just talking about, I personally don't want a casino much closer than they are now. Oh, fuck, you'd be broke, Jeff. Yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm happy to have them three hours away, which I'm fixing to go to in a minute. It's my well, day I don't off. know. You might not be because you wouldn't be paying for gas. You wouldn't I, be paying to eat out. Trust me, it was, would not be a good thing. I'm glad it's a long way off. But Oklahoma makes a lot of money off of them, and Texas could use that same revenue stream. Um, I think marijuana, medical marijuana, is a must. I think it's a great thing to go. The problem you're dealing with is what they're dealing with at every state. Is Anybody you get, can get a car. You get, oh, yeah, you get some shady doctor. Oh, you've got a bad knee? Well, here, you need marijuana. Because you can't tell me that Zach might not have been better off if he had some marijuana rather than the hydrocodone that now he's having to – that made him sick. Hydrocodone made him physically ill. It's for, when it's, he had to when take you get, it. I – I had to take some one time, and I threw up from it. It was really? nasty. I And I told Michelle right then, I said, I don't know how anybody gets on drugs so bad that they want to feel this way. It was horrible. Did you finish Cocaine Cowboys? Yeah, very good show. Yeah, it, it was. It's a good, it good show. Watching Outer Banks now? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me. We're on, we're, 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 we binge-watched five of them last night. We're up to number five. We watched one through five. I'm assuming it's you that's on my Netflix. It's at number ten right now. Yeah, we're done. Oh. Why are you on mine? I've got a name on mine. You have a name on yours. Yeah, it just shows what uh, you've seen. Yeah, we watched them all. I yeah, know. I told Michelle. I said, I said one of our minions <laughs> is using our face, our Netflix account again, and I don't think it's the one that's in Tacoma. He changed his profile picture. On what? On the Netflix. I noticed they're all changed now. I changed them all for everybody. Oh, did you? And he changed his back. Oh well, I guess he didn't like. He it. doesn't appreciate humor. I asked him his new girlfriend if he'd told him about us. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Oh. Probably not. I think he's ashamed of you. Yeah, me. <laughs> I said, well, have you told her about our podcast? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> See where he comes from. <laughs> um, so that was Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. We're very good guy. Wish him the best. You um, can go um, donate to his cause if you liked what you heard here today. And West uh, I guess. Westfortexas.com. And I guess the election will be November of 2022. Yes. So. Yep. A little over a year, but it's still coming up. So. Uh, that's basically all I got, Jeff. I had a message from a lady from um, Abbott's camp now when they found this out, so I'm assuming we maybe get to have Abbott on in a couple months. We'll see. So it would be interesting if that happens. Going to get Ronnie Jackson on again. Lots of things I want to talk to him about. Uh, God bless everyone. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. And as always, go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. It is the weekend, so you should check out Bangtail Whiskey. Uh, get your weekend kicked off right. Eyesight Drone Service, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Goose Creek Retrievers, Gundog Outdoors, Looking Glass Duck Club, Lucky Duck, Dirty Duck Coffee, Boss Shot Shells, Dive Bomb Industries, Pacific Calls, and Shin Gear Waiters. <laughs> <laughs>